You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. You can be seated in the presence of God. You know, worship is supposed to transform your life. When you get into the presence of God and you worship the Lord, something powerful is supposed to take place. Something powerful is supposed to happen. I was worshiping the Lord this week. I just sensed the presence of God. Amen. You could go into worship. Thank you. You could go into worship and come out of worship. And when you come out of worship, you feel more full than when you came in. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. I want to... Uh, God bless you. Did you enjoy the singing this morning? Let's give them a, a round of applause. We're getting there. Amen. We're getting there. We're getting there. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, if you have your Bibles this morning. How many know what we've been talking about here in this ministry? Anybody know what we've been talking about the last two weeks? Huh? What was that, Damar? We've been talking about prayer. And not only just been talking about prayer, we've been talking about the wonderful results of prayer. Amen. And you know, we talked about, the Bible says that, uh, it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17, what's our foundation text? Remember, I gave you memory homework last week. It was three words. You shouldn't forget it. What is it? What was it? Sorry, you should know. Never stop praying. Say it louder. Okay, let's say it like we really believe it now. One more time. On three. One, two, three. Okay, and we talked about, if you break that down into its most simplest definition, and you look up all the Greek and the Aramaic and whatever else language it's in, that simply means don't ever stop praying. And maybe with a little more emphasis, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul is yelling at you and telling the church at Thessalonica, don't ever stop praying. No matter what you do, if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're in a good time, if you're in a bad time, if you're going in the valley, if you're coming out of the valley, you should be praying. And this morning in our series of the wonderful results of prayer, we talked about last week how you're supposed to not just lay in bed and, well, you can lay in bed and pray, but you know, you might fall asleep laying in bed. This should be every day in your life a time that you cut out for fervent prayer. You say, well, what's fervent prayer? Well, fervent prayer is not laying in bed, just... And then your snooze button goes off and you wake up and hit it again and... Well, listen, that's better than nothing, right? That's better than not praying. That's better than not trying. At least you tried. And we're thankful that you tried, right? We don't just want triers at this church. We want doers at this church. What's the old master Yoda? He used to say, there is no try, only do, right? <laughs> See, I'm preaching the gospel of Star Wars to you, so I'm just teasing. No, 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 no. We don't just want to try to pray. We want to be good at praying. So this morning, I want to teach you specifically how to pray. Somebody say, how to pray. Say, Pastor, how do you pray? Are we alive this morning? Are we alive this morning? Are we, are we, okay, say, how do you pray, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you this morning. And let me just preface this real quick. A lot of people I've experienced in ministry for the last 10 years, they don't like it when you tell them how to pray. Because some people say, well, what do you know about prayer? 
I mean, why are you going to tell me how to pray? How would you think you could tell me how to pray? I mean, I've been praying since I was a kid. I've been praying since my first Holy Communion. What do you think you could tell me how to pray? Praying is specifically for me and God. Yes, but the Bible instructs you how to pray. Right? The Bible tells you how to pray. And not only does the Bible teach you how to pray, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And if Jesus taught us how to pray, and it's in the Bible, then guess what? I can tell you what Jesus told us how to pray. Okay, so it says here in James chapter 5 and verse 15. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. I said such a prayer will heal the sick. Notice it didn't say just Benadryl will heal the sick. Hmm? It doesn't just say that chemotherapy will heal the sick. The Bible says that the prayer, someone say the prayer. So there should be something so powerful about your prayer life that it has the ability to heal sick bodies. Be it your own body or somebody else's body. And I got news for you. If it can heal someone's body, what else can a prayer accomplish in your life? Is it possible that here you are on this side and here what you're looking for is on this side and all that stands in between is prayer? Amen, somebody. And not only does it say that, it says, and the Lord will make you well. If the Lord's the one that has made you well, it must stand to reason that it's the Lord who you're praying to and has heard what you had to say. So prayer means simply God listening to what it is that you have to say to Him. Right? Somebody. Okay. And it says that if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. So when you say, Pastor, what do you mean? How is it that I should pray? What I'm simply telling you is how to be efficient in prayer. You don't have to be, number one, if you're taking notes, you don't have to be inefficient in the way that you pray. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by being inefficient in the way you pray? Well, let me give you a couple examples. And I don't make light of this because I used to be one of these people. Number one, you have the flowery individual, the religious individual. We call them the King James individual. You know what that person is, right? They talk in street until they have to pray. They go pray. It's, Thou art the Holy One of Israel. The Lord of hosts, the high and mighty lofty one. And I pray on this day of the 3rd of October that thou wouldest have mercy upon me, O God, and stretch forth thine holy hand to touch my brow. Have you heard me pray that way? And then you think to yourself, wait a second, this person doesn't talk like that. This person, and when, I, when, when, when you talk to them, they, you know, man, the other day I was walking down the street, I went to the store, they were having a sale, I bought some shoes, and then, will you mind praying for the food? Yes, Lord of hosts, thou art gracious. Wait, hold on a second. Do you know what you're saying? No. Do you know why you're calling him the Lord of hosts? No. Do you know why you're calling him mighty and holy? No. Then why are you praying that? Hello, somebody. You know, I understand that you have a glimpse of reverence in your life. You, you do run a reverence God. But it being flowery and just changing your vocabulary is not going to produce power in your prayer. You can't substitute faith for a bunch of clean sounding words. You can't substitute going to God with complete trust with just a couple of things that you sound poetic. 
So I want us to move beyond poetry this morning and move beyond something that is just nice prose into moving to something that has the ability to change your life, to change your city, to change your community. Hello, somebody. Number two, I don't want you to just be what I call the quarterback. What do you mean the quarterback? Well, you ever see a football game? Guys, you'll get this. And, you know, they wait to... You ever notice that people, athletes, they wait to the last quarter of the game to start playing hard. Why is that? You know, three quarters, they just stumble along. Then the fourth quarter, I'm not going to say nothing. Then the fourth quarter, <laughs> then the fourth quarter, they start playing like there's a game on the line. And then it gets right down to the last play. And you're thinking, man, if they'd have played this hard, just a few more, you know, downs or whatever, we wouldn't be in this predicament. And then all of a sudden it's the last play and the quarterback just sends four receivers down the line. They just go running and he just takes the ball and just lobs it in the air and hoping that someone will catch it. Well, the quarterback prayer person is the prayer person that just, when they get into a mess, when their life is on the line, when the situation's on the line, they just say, well, I ain't got, I just got nothing else to do. I just, I just gonna throw up a prayer and hope God catches it somewhere. And then, oh, I didn't, I didn't hear my prayer. No, no, no. We're not going to be the flowery people. We're not going to be the quarterback people at this church. We're going to be people that know when it's time to pray, we're going to be like snipers. Amen, somebody. You know what a sniper does? He sits and he waits. And he gets his target. And he watches his target. Right? He's looking at it. Brett knows this. He's a hunter. Amen. He's going to see that deer coming along. He's going to be quiet. He's going to have it in his scope. Maybe two. Maybe 30 seconds. Maybe 50 seconds. And then he's going to hone in on it. And because he's a good hunter. And I mean, if he's got him doing it right, he's going to put that bullet exactly where it belongs, right between the deer's heart or wherever you shoot it at. I don't know. I'm not hunting. <laughs> I don't shoot deer. I, you know, I, I want to shoot something mean, like a grizzly bear or something, right? I'm Bambi. I don't know. Y'all have. I just hit him with my car on the way here. No, I'm just dead. Right, somebody? You need to be somebody that's proficient about your prayer. Like a hunter knows how to place a bullet. A Christian should know how to place a prayer. I'll say it one more time. Like a hunter knows how to place a bullet. Christians should know how to place a prayer. The women say, well, I ain't even replying to me. I don't, I don't hunt. Well, let me tell you. Like a woman knows how to place her credit card when she's shopping. Amen, somebody? Like a woman knows how to place a sale, you should know how to place a prayer. I don't hunt and I don't shop either. Why? And you think of your own illustration. You got the idea. Amen. Okay. So you say, how do I pray? Okay. Number one, go with me to John chapter 16 and verse 23. Now, I realize for some of you who have been saved for so long, this might be some review for you, but the person next to you hasn't been saved that long. And I'm not talking about that person, the other person next to you. Amen. So there's going to be some review, but we need to know in this church how to pray. I don't want to, pastor, listen, I'll pray for you. But eventually, I want you to learn how to pray for other people in this ministry. Hello, somebody. Okay, number one, number one, number one. Ask the Father. Somebody say, ask the Father. This is good stuff. This is good review for us this morning. We, I want us to be powerful in the way we pray. I want people to say, where's one of those people from Light of Today? Where are they at? Uh, you go to Light? Yes, I go to... Well, you know how to pray. Show me how to pray. Okay, number one, we're going to ask the Father. And you say, what, what, what is it? Uh, you know, why you say ask the Father? Well, I've met a lot of Christians before. And they get confused. And it's okay. Do I ask the Holy Spirit? Do I ask Jesus? Do I ask God? Who do I ask when I pray? How many... Let's just be honest this morning. How many people can say, I've been there, Pastor? 
Okay, at least we have, she shared, thank you for being honest. How many just didn't know who to ask? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand. You just, okay, we have a, okay, thank you. But thank you for being honest. Well, the Bible says that Jesus, when he prayed, taught us that as believers, we should go and ask the Father when we pray. And then you say, well, does it actually matter? Well, it mattered enough for Jesus to say it. It says in John chapter 16 and verse number 23. At that time, you will not have to ask me for anything. He's talking about when they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. He says, at that moment when the Holy Spirit comes over you, who Jesus is sending to replace him. Through his intercessory work, now he's the intercessor. The Holy Spirit has come to be the agent of God and transformation upon the earth. He is the agent of king of the kingdom that is active. God has always been active upon the earth. The Old Testament, it was God the Father and Jehovah. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, it was the Lord Jesus, God made flesh. Hello, somebody. And now we have God in the person of His Spirit. And He says that when you have the Holy Spirit come into your life, that you should ask the Father. You say, well, Pastor, why is it that God wanted us to ask the Father? Because it's very important for you to understand in your life that God is a Father to you. He, I, I asked this to my professor. We're in a class called Greek 4. I mean, it's a tough class. I just, I did a paper and it was good all the way to the last paragraph. I got burned so bad. Amen. It's a tough class. But I did ask a question that saved me. I said, Professor, why is it that God chose to reveal himself to us as father and son? Why, and, and, and why did he chose to reveal that to us? He could have revealed himself to us any way that he wanted to reveal. He said, that's a good question. But he never answered it. So I had to seek God on this myself. And you know what I came up with? The reason that God wants you to call Him Father, uh, this is good, is because He wants you to understand that you are His Son. Hello, somebody. What the women say, well, why, why? But me, I'm a woman. I'm not the son. Do you know the Bible did not say you're daughter of God? It says you're a son of God. Don't, and sometimes we have feminist Bibles that do come out. I have seen them. And they do cross out son and put sons and daughters. Now there's one place that you could say that it says that. But most of the time it says that you have become sons of God or children of God. And the reason why God left it as sons is because in the Eastern understanding at that time, a daughter never had an inheritance. Sons are the only ones that had an inheritance. Sons are the only ones that could go before their father with boldness. And God left it in there because in the body of Christ, you may be a female, but you still have the same rights as a son. You can go before the father and say, Father, you have promised me a blessing. You promised me an inheritance. I'm just preaching this morning. Come on. You have I can go before you. Now watch this. If God told you that you are a son and he is your father, then guess what? Stop calling yourself a sinner. Why well, sin and mess up doesn't make you a sinner. It makes you a saint that has some cleaning up and some repenting to do. A sinner refers to your nature and your... Oh, I can't believe you would say that. Here's a challenge. Find me one place in the New Testament where a born-again Christian is called a sinner. Find it and show it to me. I'll be in my office after service. Because it irks me so bad that people would call themselves sinners when God has told you, you are a son. Stop it. It is hindering your prayers. 
Hello, somebody. Stop it. It is messing with the way that you see God and ultimately the way that you see yourself. You're not, I feel God's power. You're not going to go before God and get an answer with your head down. Listen, listen. We as the body of Christ, we need to put off that old Oliver Twist idea that we're going before God in the orphanage. If you would just give me some porridge, Lord God. If you would just pour some in my bowl, I would be so happy and walk away with your head down. You're a son. You have no longer that orphanage any mentality. You've been adopted into the family of God. Go before God humbly. Go before God with thankfulness. Go before God as a son because when you go before God as a son, you're letting God know, I know that you love me so much that you became my father. You're my father. You are, it pleases me to know, God, that you're my father. It, it, it pleases you to know that you died for me and you're my, you became my father. You adopted me. Come on, I'm excited this morning. Must be that fast. Amen. You don't like me preaching? Bring me some brownies. I won't preach. I'll just have to teach after those. We're supposed to be children and sons. Okay, number two, number two. Write this down. Use the name of Jesus in prayer. You know, uh, listen, I like songs that have the name of Jesus. I respect gospel artists that want to put Jesus in their songs. Someone say, use the name of Jesus. Come on, say it like this is a spirit-filled church. Say it like it's a spirit-filled church with some soul in it. I'm just teasing. <laughs> it says here, uh, uh, well, it says, Jesus says in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, verse 7, I'll quote it to you. And that day you shall ask me nothing. Whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, that shall he do. Jesus thought using his name was so important that he commanded it in Scripture to use his name. Commanded it. Let me just tell you quickly. A name is a metonym to refer to a person's essence. When someone says we're called by the name of the Lord, you're saying that God has proclaimed His name over us as His people. To blaspheme the Lord in the Old Testament was simply to be called by the name of the Lord and not live like you've been called by the name of the Lord. It meant to intentionally hurt people that had been called by the name of the Lord. It meant to speak badly about the name by which you were called. That's why Christians who say JC that the cousin and use His name in vain are wrong. Stop it! That was the name why you were saved. Don't curse it. Hello, somebody. And when the Bible says that you've been called by the name of the Lord, Jesus says, when you do anything, use my name. And the reason why we use his name is because he called us by his name. And he told us that we're his people. And in being his people, we act with his authority. And he said, use it and not just to heal the sick. We're not talking about that today. He didn't say it just to cast out devils. We'll talk about ministering to people. That's in your own public life and in your ministry. But not just in your ministry. He said, use the name when you pray. And here's why he said it. Because when you use the name in prayer, you're going before God, telling God the Father 
that you have been called by the name of Jesus. That the reason why you can stand before the Father is because of the ministry and work that Christ performed on the cross. Hello. You go before God in the name of Jesus and you say, God, I come before you in the name of Jesus. You're saying, God, I come before you as somebody who's been bought and possessed and owned by Christ. I've given my life to him. He's my Lord and he's my Savior. And it's because of his work on the cross that I'm here to you today, God. It's because of his work on the cross that I'm here. And therefore, I have a right to be in your presence. Oh, that's good. I like when you say amen. Okay. Number three. Are you ready for this? Okay, come to the Lord boldly. Boldly. It says here in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, let me say this quickly. Many times people see this. And they develop in their life an arrogant attitude with the way they approach God. God does not honor you when you come before Him with the attitude that He owes you something. Hello, somebody. We have to understand that He did it for us out of His grace. And you cannot come before the Father making all kinds of demands like He's supposed to be at your beck and call. That's not what the Bible teaches. Because if that's what you believe, then you have confused boldness for what this really means, and that is confidence. The idea here is that before Jesus, people had to go into the most holy place <clears throat> with timidity. They used to put a rope around the high priest's ankle once a year on the Day of Atonement because if he had messed just one thing up, he would drop dead in the presence of God. And you know that day came, and for the high priest, it was probably a very nerve-wracking day. That's one day you don't want your team to mess nothing up. You guys got it? Yes. Are you sure you got it? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Because I'm going to die if we don't. <laughs> it's like coming to my team and say, hey, you got the water up there? We got it for you. you got, yeah. Are you sure? Oh, I don't want. And then all of a sudden, they're in there and they hear a thump. Who forgot to put the blood on the mercy? That was me. Oh, you just killed the high priest. Right? It, it was, it, think about it. In David's day where they're trying to carry the ark. The, the guy put his hand on it. He fell over. What do you think that caused people to do in Israel? Oh, it's the ark. I'm not touching it. You guys, you, you want to carry the ark? It's my turn. I'll let you do it today. Sure. They were scared. But the Bible says now, you don't longer have that. You come before God with a sense of confidence. Listen, God does not want mealy-mouthed Christians. God does not want Christians, you know... Uh, <laughs> You all experienced this when you fell in love for the first time. Everybody's smiling. Oh, that's, uh, you smiled. I know you've been in love before. Someone said one time, how do I know if I'm in love? If you got to ask, you're not in love. Hello, somebody. And the first time you're in love, you, everything was cool. Then you saw that person. Your legs start getting hurt. Your heart starts beating funny. Then they talk to you. <laughs> Where? Yes, excuse me, where is the cafeteria? I had a friend in college. He liked this girl. He used to come in my dorm all the time and tell me how much he liked this girl. Her name was Tori. And she was a new girl. And she had a boyfriend, and they broke up. This girl and her boyfriend. And oh, he was the first to find out about that. He came in my room and said, Chris, they broke up. 
I said, well, she must be going through heartbreak. Yeah, she'll get over it. Now listen, I got to have a plan. <laughs> you know, it all is fair in love and war, you know. Hey, listen, if you like somebody and they're engaged and you want, listen, you can pray that ring and ain't married yet. Come on, believe God. And if you like somebody, step up, go talk to them, go invite them in. You got to do something, right? Hello. You know, you get to a church, you grow large enough and nobody's getting married in the church. You got to, just a guy say something. I mean, anyway. Okay. So he goes and, you know, he said, uh, he came in my dorm a couple weeks later. He was mortified. I said, what happened? He goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? Anyway, she was walking to the cafeteria and she asked him a question. And he said, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then he turned to walk in the elevator, but he didn't know that the doors had closed and poof, right in the elevator, smack right in the face. There's always over there. Poof. But the good thing is they're married with a kid right now. Amen. He got game, somebody. <laughs> he can brush that off, brush off an elevator in the face and then still like her. Yeah, but see, we can't be that way with God. We can't come before God and I've been blah, 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 blah. I got a problem. I got an issue. Blah, blah. Okay, God, I'll see you later. No, 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 no. God wants you to come before him like a son goes before his dad when they have a good relationship. Hello, somebody. You're supposed to go before God humbly. And when you go, and the Bible says, we're gonna, write this down. This just ties into my next point. Number four. When you go before God, make your requests known. Yeah? Look what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. The word here, anxiety, is talking about the tormenting cares of this life. Cares can be tormenting. Yes? Bank accounts can be tormenting. Not having the job you want can be tormenting. And I will tell you that when you get old enough in your life to look back and make, see how maybe you could have made a better decision. See, it's not even about making bad decisions. It's the regret that sometimes comes from having the opportunity to maybe have made a better decision. Right? Very few people have made terrible decisions. I mean, just awful, God, life-threatening decisions. But the majority of people have made decisions in which they feel they could have made a better one. Right, somebody? And you can lay in bed at night and say, I could have made that decision. I could have made that decision. And this is what the Bible is talking about, anxiety. And the Bible says that when you come before God, take that anxiety, whatever it is that you have, and present it before God by making a request to the Lord. Yeah? Make a request to the Lord. Now listen, many times people... They do not feel like they're worthy to present the request to God. They come before God. They say a bunch of stuff. But they never get to why they're there. When you go before the God. Are you all here with me this morning? When you go before the Lord. You should enter His presence with thanksgiving and praise. Offer up your worship to the Lord. Every time. And if you have nothing to be grateful about, find something to be grateful about. Open up your heart with thankfulness. I'll get to that in just a second. And then when you have the opportunity to make a request before God, tell the Lord specifically what it is you want. I mean, where do you want to live? you want to live in Farmington Hills? you want to live in Canton? Do you want to live in <clears throat> Oak Park? I don't know. Do you want to live in Bloomfield Hills? I don't know where you want to live. God doesn't know. You have to tell Him. Well, he knows, but He wants to hear it from you. Because you authorize God to work in your behalf when you tell Him that. Well, He'll figure it out. No. Make it known to God. 
You're single? What kind of person do you want? Do you want someone tall? Do you want someone short? Do you want someone with one leg? Do you want someone with two legs? What do you want? Someone's got to want the one with one leg. Amen. It's okay. What do you want before God? Ask God. What is, tell Him what you want. Write it on a card. Remind yourself what it is that you want from God. And don't back down. Make your request known to God. You know, it seems like such a simple point, but you'd be surprised how many people have not told... You know, one time I wasn't doing that before God. I was just saying, God, work it out. God, work it out. And God told me, the Spirit of God ministered to me, and He said, you don't want to get to heaven and see all that you could have had and not got it because you did not ask me. I say, what kept me from all this? You didn't ask. Hello, somebody. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Okay, number... This one here, number five. This is a big one now. This one I could do tons of sermons on. Number five, someone say three words, pray in faith. Say pray in faith. Okay, now listen. You don't pray in fear. Don't pray a prayer and say, okay, I prayed it now, but what if it doesn't happen? No, no, stop. You didn't pray. No, no. Well, uh, God, I pray that you would uh, protect me. But what if I get killed? God, I pray that the plane it would go up in the air and that you would take it through the air safely. Find some landing strip and land it upon. Amen. But what if it crashes? No, no, stop that. You didn't pray in faith. Amen, somebody. It says in Mark 11, 22 to 24. We know this scripture. And Jesus answered to them and said, Have faith in God. He said, Truly I say unto you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up, be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I tell you, whatever things you ask, desire, either way, ask or desire in prayer, believe you receive it, and you shall have it. Okay, now watch this. According to what Jesus is saying. If you ask according to the will and the word of God. You should get what you pray for. Uh, to some people you say that. Say no, 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 no. Because I never get what I pray for. No, no, no. Stop that. Stop that. Stop saying that. Your words have power. You have created your life with your thoughts and your words. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. Oh my gosh. I almost got out at the red light, went over to the car and slapped them high five and said, that is, say that. But I didn't because I, I, you know, I have to preach. I don't want to be in jail on Sunday. You know. It said, now I can't remember what it said exactly. No, what did it say? It said, uh, every moment of your life has gotten you to this point. I thought about it. I said, well, here I'm at a red light. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, it is. But you know what? I'll change it a little bit. Every word in your life has gotten you to this point. Huh? Hello? Every thought in your life has gotten you to this point. That's why, I mean, you got to take, you got to battle those thoughts that come to your mind. You got to fight those thoughts. When those thoughts come in, and listen, that's how it's, when your mind is, this is how you can tell your mind's not renewed. You pray a prayer, and then immediately something in your mind disagrees with what you prayed. I'm going to preach now. I'll preach like there's 20,000 people here. Amen. You pray a prayer, and every right, the minute you're done praying it, you walk out of prayer, and no, it's not going to come to pass. No, you're never going to have that kind of money. No, you're never going to be that. No, you're never going to get out of debt. No, you got to, you got to go back in. 
Don't change your prayer. Listen, don't change your prayer because your thought life disagrees with what you pray. Did you hear what I said? Don't change your prayer life because your thoughts are disagreeing with what you had to say. You just say, no thought. And listen, just because you thought differently from what you prayed doesn't mean it canceled and voided your prayer. So you can go before God and say, God, I need this. Lord, I need you to do this. And you can walk out of prayer and your thoughts can tell you a million different things. But it doesn't, like an unrenewed thought does not have the power to change your prayer. I'm going to say that again. A unrenewed thought does not have the power to change what you just prayed. That means if you pray it, stay on it. Come on, are you here this morning? If you pray it, you stay with it. Stay with it. And so you say, well, Jesus said in Scripture that when you pray, you must believe that you receive the moment you pray. This has to do with your faith. Now, Jesus didn't say, the moment you believe that you receive, you're going to have it. He didn't say that. Because there's often in your life a time that has to take place. But if you come to God with faith, knowing it's in the Word of God, knowing that it's the will of God, and you come before God and you say, God, I'm praying for this. You have it the moment God says, let it be yours. Amen. You go before God, I need this. God says, it's yours. There should be in your heart something that contradicts what your mind might be telling you. Assurance does not come from the mind. Assurance comes from the heart. You may have gotten saved and you didn't know it in your mind, but something in your heart told me, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm the, oh my God, I got it. And therefore... When you're a person, this is good teaching this morning. When you're a person that lives by faith, you are not making decisions based upon what your mind tells you. You don't make decisions up here, especially if your mind's not renewed. You make decisions down here in your spirit. You make financial decisions down here in your spirit. Don't go around telling everybody the decisions that you made because they'll try and get you back up here. Go down here in your spirit what God has showed to you in prayer. That's why when a person is in prayer, they have confidence before God because they've been talking to God. God's been talking to them. Are you here this morning? I've been praying. What God say in prayer? This is what he told me in prayer. Good. Then it's going to be that way in prayer. Don't go around. When and you always tell when someone's not been in prayer. You can tell. They come walking in. Angry. Upset. They had that look on their face trying to be figuring everything out. Don't tell them what God told you. Because they'll try and figure you out. They try and figure out what God told you. Keep it to yourself. Now, the Bible says that when you believe, you receive, that you shall have, on it, have it. That means your prayers are dependent upon faith. Faith. Y'all should be writing this down this morning. Your prayers are dependent upon faith. So, now, if you pray a prayer and it doesn't come to pass and you didn't get the answer to prayer, then you know you have to work on your faith. 
It doesn't necessarily always mean your prayer. You work on your faith. How do I work on my faith, Pastor? You read the Word of God. You have a radio station, 103.5. Listen to that going to work. Don't listen to all the other junk. They have cool stuff in the mornings. Whatever. They at least, hey, well, I don't, I'm not from that stripe of Christianity. It's better than listening to something in the world. Hello? Hey, I can receive. I can go into the Catholic Church and receive. Oh, yeah. Well, you can do that. Absolutely. I've heard some good sermons in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Well, the Pope's Antichrist. Don't get in. Just come on. Don't you got other things to think about? Well, what do you think about all this stuff that's going on? I think we're going to have an eclipse tonight, and I think we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and God's going to be on the throne. How about that? Amen? And I'm going to be preaching the gospel, and if we wake up and we're in heaven tomorrow, then my God, and I can eat, and I'll be off this fast. Glory to God. Hello, somebody. Yeah. So you say, how do I work on my faith? Focus. Focus. Focus on your faith. That means you might have to go on a consecration. No, 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 no. Don't tell me that. Yeah, you might have to fast a little bit. You might have to say, I'm oh, I can't eat it. You'd be surprised what you're able to do. Hello? Your body has enough stored energy where you, if you, I watched this show, they didn't eat for like three days, or 40 days, I think it was. They had, I think, one fish in the 40, and they are all fine, women and men. Now, or if you just really can't because you have a condition, we'll give up something else. Don't watch TV. Turn off your Instagram. You know, on this fast, the only time I'll put something on social media is when it has to do with the church. It's deleted. It's gone. Out. That means that I'm not going to see what you bake for lunch today, okay? That means I'm not going to know about the salad that you eat tomorrow after lunch for noon. I'm sorry. You can tell me about it later this week. I'm just not going to see it. Amen. Consecrate. Why? Because you're working on your faith. You find somebody that prays and is powerful. What does that tell you? That tells you they invested in their faith. Invest in your faith, somebody. Okay, are you ready for number, what number is this? Number, number five, six, whatever. You just write it down, okay? Number six, pray with persistence. Brother Caleb, can you come? Pray with persistence. We live in a society where everybody wants everything right away. Before my consecration, I found I discovered something. It's changed my life. Minute Bryce. It's a little plastic bag. Oh, it's not even the box now. You have to put that in a, in, a, in, a, in a pot. This is easier. You just take the bag and put it in the microwave for two minutes. It makes a nice, healthy snack when you're watching football. Amen. And I had bought a bunch of bags of those things. It was so easy. I just, and it tasted so tasty. It was good. I made Moses. You have to come by. We'll have minute rice together. Amen. He said, no, I have a wife that cooks, but you go on and enjoy it, Brother Palm. It was so good. It was so delicious. But you know what? I thought, now this can't be how, you, you can get prayers answered right away sometimes. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to wait on prayers. Look what the Bible says in Luke chapter 11, 5 to 8. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who will go to him in midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. And I, have, I don't have anything to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me, the door is shut, my children and me are asleep. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he not get up and give him anything because he's a friend. Yet because of his imprudence, he'll rise up and give whatever he needs. Jesus is teaching. Now, we read this all the time, and we miss the point. We say, well, the man, it's midnight. It must be a difficult situation in his life, and, and the man's a friend. Jesus is our friend. And, no, no, no. Don't get into all the details. 
Jesus is basically teaching you at the urgency in your life when you have an urgent need. You are to go before God and you are to pray and persist in your prayer. That's all it means. Because sometimes people read this like God wants you to get out of his face. If you just go ahead and hound God long enough, they'll just say, oh, take it, it's fine, take it. No, no, no. Is that what it means? It means that prayer and answered prayer often has more to do than your will and God's will. There can be distractions. There can be hindrances in the spirit realm. There could be somebody praying. There could be a witch down the street praying against you. You mean they do that? Yes, they do. There could be a, a witchcraft. I don't know what's going on, but it could stop you from doing the will of God. So you start praying. You say, God, now watch this. Your faith, waiting takes place in your life because of where your faith is at. Waiting takes place in your life because the nature and the size of your request relative to where your faith stands at that moment. And it also takes place waiting because, I just told you, you may have demonic issues going on. Not necessarily because of you, but because something is hindering the will of God in your life. And we have to make a choice as believers to say, I know what God has said. I know what the word of God has said about this issue. And Jesus told me, if I want the answer to my prayer, I must persist. If it be an unsaved loved one, I must persist. If it be somebody to stop acting stupid, I must persist. If it means to grow a church, I must persist. If it means to see God heal my body, I must persist. If it means to get out of debt, I must persist the strength to persist anymore listen to the word of God get around anointed brothers and sisters that's not the time for you to stop going to church that's the time for you to be at every service that's the time for you to cut out whatever it is that would make you be distracted and start getting back into the presence of God that's the time for you to start worshiping that's the time hello somebody glory to God number seven be thankful be thankful the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 16, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But the Bible says to do it with a thankful heart. He said, well, what do you know, thanksgiving? Well, why do I have to be thankful, pastor? I'll tell you why. Number one, because God deserves you to be thankful. It could be worse. It could always be worse. And I don't mean that's, that doesn't really help you when you're going through a tough time. But I'll tell you what thankfulness does do. Thankfulness reminds you of God's goodness in your life. It also reminds you of what God is able to do for you. And when you start thanking God, you know what starts happening? Your confidence. You think, you know, I'm, I'm going through this situation. But I think you look, you know, let's say you're going through financial difficulty. You know, I'm going through financial, you say, oh, I'm just going through this financial difficulty. And, and then you say, but I should be thankful. You know what you should do? I don't know if you save your check stubs or your bills. Go back and look at all those bills that God helped you to pay. Say, remember, I paid that one back in 2012. I paid that one back in 2010. I did pay that one back. Yeah, I did pay that one. And you know what? Go look at yourself in the mirror and say, and look at you. You're still here. You still got heat in your house. You still got running water. You still know how to shower. You know how. You still can shower. Amen. I hope you all know how to shower because 
Don't come in this. No, I'm just teasing. You still, you still, you still, you still. And here you are. Or you may be going through a relationship. Just count your blessings. And you will see how the power of God starts working in your life. This is not your end. Hello, somebody. This is God's best for your life. But it starts when you have a thankful heart. So we review. Ask the Father. Someone say, ask the Father. Someone say, pray in Jesus' name. Someone say, come boldly. What's the next one? <laughs> Make your request known. Thank you, Tanish. That's why you sit. Stay in this seat. You remind me. Just don't go nowhere. You sit here. You remind me of stuff. Amen. She's sharp. Uh... Come boldly, make your request known, pray in faith. Hello, pray in faith. Now, what do you do after pray in faith? Be thankful. Well, I know I'm all by, you know, I'm just trying to remember the order, that's all. Stand to your feet this morning. Pray with persistence. Stand to your feet this morning. Thank you. Pray with persistence. I had to be persistent about getting that. Okay, let's do it one more time. Are you ready? Now, we're going to do it one more time. Tanisha, I need you. It was you now. Why didn't you come? You're going to trade seats now. Okay, you ready? Number one. Okay, Natalie, ask the Father. Number two. Number one. Number two. Number three. Okay, number four. She's got it written down. See, that's what I'm talking about. Number four. Number five. Number six. Number seven. Number eight. <laughs> hey, y'all, if you weren't here on Thursday night, we found out we have a bunch of people here that have read the book of Hezekiah. <laughs> I asked everyone, I said, who here has read the book of Hosea in the last week? Who's here read Hezekiah? Everybody put their hand up. I said, what Bible y'all reading? Not in the Bible. It's like saying, how long did it take Moses to build the ark? 120 days. Well, no, we'll build the ark. Amen. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.